Hey folks, welcome to Pivot Point. My name is Joseph DiBiase and this is my podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pivot Point. Thanks for tuning in. So, a couple of questions for you. Have you ever felt like you just had so much angst inside like like something is just gnawing at you and you it's like i don't know how to even describe it uh, I, it's like I, I think now women please give me a little uh, grace here i would imagine it's like childbirth where you just got to get whatever is inside of you out of you only what I'm talking about is something like, I don't know, emotional. And um, the last time I felt something like this was when I was writing a piece for Symphonia 2. That was the second concert that I did in Florida for veterans. And I, you know, I met with a lot of veterans or their families and I heard their stories. And it was deep, really had a deep impact on me. And I couldn't let go of their stories until I started writing this music called A Thousand Faces, which was really about the, the hopelessness that they have felt. Um, you know, one person would go and he would be in a tank turret and, and then you know, he'd come back and it, he'd be a, just a different person. Um, and so I would talk with his parents. I never did meet with him. I would talk with his parents about it. Anyway, I'm feeling such angst these days and I can't really put my finger on it. So my question is, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like there is just something inside of you that needs to find its way, I don't want to say out, but maybe acted upon, manifested? I don't know, that's, that's kind of a woo-woo word, but you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that's what I've been going through for the past couple of weeks. It's intense. Some days are more intense than the others. The other thing I wanted to run past you is this. And I know you had to have thought about this before. What would you spend your time on if money was not an issue? Now, I know we all have dreamt like that before, but I got to tell you, I was asked that question last week. And for the very first time, I had an answer that surprised me and gave me some real relief. So that's what I'm going to say to you, to ask you again, what would you do if money was not an answer? Where is your heart connected to something? Where do you find that fulfillment? Because where that is, that is is where you really want to be spending your time. 
Now that fits right into my guest today. My guest is Alan Chappelle. He is an artist. He is a singer. He plays out with his band and he's also an attorney and he works both of those in his life. So I'm not going to tell you much more about it. Here he is. This is Alan and I chatting it up about this journey of how you go from being a singer to an attorney, back to a singer again, and then doing it all. All right, here we go. Well, hey, man. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, this is not live, but, uh, you know, we're we're happening. Good. I'm so glad to be here. And where are you right now? Are you in, in L.A.? No, right I'm in New York City. Okay. We, uh, we bounced back between the West Village and uh, Sausalito, uh, just outside oh. of San Francisco. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, which is, is pretty wonderful. So I was reading in, in your bio and stuff that, um, so you know Jimmy Einer. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen the Einers in a while now, but the Einer family was really good to me back when I was uh, uh, in high school. Uh, uh-huh. Jimmy produced uh, my first EP and uh, um, yeah, they were very kind to me. That's cool. I knew Jimmy back in the days when I was working on Dirty Dancing with him and, you know, just our paths just haven't crossed, but he's always been one of my favorite people in the world who has just been, as you say, very kind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was a younger guy at the time. He was always giving me life lessons, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. You know, in retrospect, if I, only I had listened a little more back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, isn't that the way life is? <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go back a little bit now. Um, was music in your family? Like why this inspiration and, and desire to express yourself through music? Yeah. So my dad is a, uh, a jazz saxophone player and, uh, and really all my brothers, you know, we were kind of required, I guess would be the right word uh, growing up to, uh, to take piano and some other instrument. And uh-huh. uh, uh, I'm really the only one that took to it. I think everybody else saw the as torture and I saw it as this wonderful opportunity. And uh, I played trumpet until uh, high school ended and then uh, uh, and still miss it. Uh, mm. But boy, that's something you got to keep up with. And uh, and then uh, took piano and, and have really kept kept with it. And, uh, you know, there's been times in my life where, you know, I thought I had to get you know, like a real job and, and that kind of thing. And, mm. and music had fallen away for a brief period of time, but it just always comes back because it's, you know, if, it, if it's who you are, it's who you are. Yeah. It gets to a point where you just don't really know what else you can do. Yeah. That, that feels right in your soul, you know? Did you go to college for I music? Did. No, I, w- I went to the University of Connecticut and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, had a band up there. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd gotten some notoriety in the uh, in the '90s, uh, mostly around New England. 
Mm-hmm. And when that broke up, I went, uh, I moved to uh, uh, Bombay uh, and joined a band there. Wow. And, well, it, and it sounds a little crazy, but if you, if you really think about it, I kind of blame the whole thing on Kurt Cobain because uh, <laughs> no, what happened, I was like an 80s synth pop dude. Yeah. And all of a sudden the grunge thing came and suddenly there was no work for a piano player in New York city. Mm. Uh, and so I, you know, I said, well, let's, let's try this, you know, India thing and see where that ends up. But why, like, how did that is just bizarre to me in, well, in the most awesome way. I just love when people make those big shifts like that. Well, you know, sometimes life just has a funny way of leading you places. And so I answered an ad in the village voice. This is so this is I'm dating myself, right? Because I don't yeah, even know right. still around. But uh, that's what you did when you wanted to join a band back then is you, you mm-hmm. enter an ad in the village voice, new audition. And I met a whole bunch of people. And so I ended up hitting it off with this guy in Jackson Heights, Queens, whose dad was living there, but his family was mostly from Bombay and he was a guitar player. And mm-hmm. we started writing songs and we really hit it off. And it, and these guys had been in had been invited on the Peter Gabriel World of Music and Dance Tour the previous year. And, and we had a, uh, a kind of a handshake deal with BMG uh, to distribute us. And, and so, you know, it seemed like, wow, okay, this seems like a pretty good opportunity. And well, I'll say that... Uh, Every single thing that could have gone wrong uh, went wrong there. I would still say I would not <laughs> have traded that experience for any uh-huh. for, for, yeah. for, because uh, so I was there for about six months and then okay. I got back and moved back to Stanford, Connecticut and back with the same group of friends and sitting on the couch and, and drinking beer and watching the same silly TV programs. But suddenly everything felt small. Mm hmm. And so I, I literally got home. I did not have a dime in my pocket, uh, but moved to New York City and, you know, just figured I'd figure it out. Wow. So what went wrong when you were in India? What happened? Well, you know, so, you know, when you say handshake deal with a record company, that you sound very naive. <laughs> that thought did pass my mind. I was about to ask how that worked out, but you already answered that one. <laughs> Yeah. So a handshake deal with a record company didn't work out. You know, they, they, we recorded a couple of songs and then they decided to go in a different direction. And, you know, I, I had done some jingle writing in, uh, in India for a couple of TV shows and that, that was fun, but you know, it was one of those deals where it was just, you know, it's hard to make money as a musician. And if your network is small, um, but you know, there are all kinds of funny little things. So like, you know, I gave, uh, um, I guess what would be equate to about a thousand bucks. It was a heck of a lot of rupees for a uh, as a deposit on a house. And it turns out that the real estate agent had just gambled away the money, but was afraid to tell us. So he literally led me to this house, and I knock on the door. And of course, like you know, I'm, I might be in the first white person they ever met. And I'm like, "Hi, I'm here to stay with you." And they look at me, they look me up and down, and they slam the door. I'm like, okay, now what? Yeah, now what? I, you know, I, I stayed with my bass player for a little while. We eventually found a place, but it was just, 
you know, life, life is hard enough, but when, when you're, when, when you have no money and you're living in Bombay as a musician and, and, and the band doesn't seem to be going anywhere, it's, uh, uh, you know, after six months, it was time to come back to New York. Oh my gosh. Now, did you travel out there with anybody else? Or you just answered this ad and you hit it off with this guy and, and off you went off. I went, dude. Yeah. My favorite story. Um, so I, I had bought this ticket, uh, that was supposed to be open-ended return, but what they don't tell you when they sell you the open-ended return is that, uh, they have to have availability and, and the way it was structured there was no availability for the next three months and counting. Right. So uh, again, I didn't have any money. My credit cards were already, cause I hadn't paid them in, in several months. So I remember I went to tower air and I put down an American express card and I figured, well, either, you know, <laughs> let's see what happens here. But I was pretty sure that Amex was going to reject it. Now, fortunately uh, the systems in Bombay being what they are, it didn't, didn't work. catch up. Just yeah. Took down my credit card on the honor system. Right. And I got on the plane. And uh, so we landed at JFK and they're not letting anybody off the plane. And I'm wondering why. And they said, they said, will Alan Chappelle please come to the front of the plane? And I thought to myself, if they knew where Alan Chappelle was seated, they'd come get me. So I'm just going to sit here and pretend Alan Chappelle isn't on the plane. After three announcements, they said, well, and they let everybody off the plane, including me. Uh, and I got home and 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 made it. Now, uh, I, I just don't want to give everybody the wrong impression here. I did pay back American Express eventually. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you said that. That's very cool because, you know, people can come away with the wrong impression. But what a freaking journey. Holy cows. <laughs> and what were they going to do? Make you sit on the plane and go back? I don't Who know. knows? Yeah. I know. Who, you will never thing. know. <laughs> the mystery. What well, you, you must have been in like your mid twenties then at this yeah. point. Yeah, it was in my, my. You know that whole experience, boy. You grew up real quick. Yeah, and so you're back home, and now you're just like uh, hanging with the guys, going. The world is bigger than this. I need to do something, and you get yourself to New York somehow. And then what did you do? Well, you know, I, uh, I played around in bands for a year and I, uh, studied for law school. And so, uh, the band thing didn't work out. I said, okay, right. it's time to start my life for realsies and, uh, went to Fordham and, uh, uh, worked towards a, an advanced degree in human rights law. And then on top of that, I started working at this uh, digital media, I guess new media is what they were calling it back then, sure. called uh, Jupiter Research. And, okay. uh, and it's sort of funny how both those things happened at the same time. And I'd given up music for a little while, but it sort of cemented me. So I make my living working with tech companies now on privacy issues. And it's, it's a lot of fun, but it also pays because you don't make any money in music, you know, uh, for better or worse until, you know, un until you're, unless you're Taylor Swift and she seems right. to all of the money. Uh, right. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but, but in any event, so, uh, you know, late nineties, uh, went to law school, got out in early two thousands. Um, and then a friend while I was in law school said, Hey, look, I know you're really busy. You're working 80 hours a week. Uh, my daughter was born first year of law school. 
Um, but he's like, look, just come sing backups. If you can make it great. If you can't make it, I understand. And then, you know, three months later, somehow a, a, a keyboard emerged in front of me. So now I'm singing backups and playing keys. And then like three months from then, uh, I, I'm singing lead. Their lead singer left. And so like, it, you know, it just, life has a funny way of just getting me back into music. Wow. That's a lot of stuff that just happened here. Let's roll it back a little bit. Why law school? I mean, you could have gone to school for anything, engineering, whatever, like, you know, coding. I, I don't know uh, how to answer that question, in, 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 but I'll, I'll give you an analogy. All right. Somebody says, why music? I, I don't know. I just, at, it, one of the things that I always felt growing up was that I was going to do one of two things. Now, it turns out that that was wrong. I've ended up doing both. But the, the, the two things were I was either going to go into the law or I was going to become a musician. Now, I had no idea I could do both. Uh, but it turns right. out that's, that's where I ended up. So when you were younger, you had this draw towards law or justice or the idea of black and white? Like what? Like, can you touch on any of that? Yeah, I think it was justice. Uh, mm. I liked gray areas. Uh, I had a grandmother who I was very close to who just said, you know, Alan, you have the gift to gab. That's a horrible Irish accent, by the way. But you have the <laughs> gift of gab, Alan, you know, you should just use it to talk to people. And I don't know, it just it was always this thing that it was assumed and, and I bought into it. And it turns out that they were right, because a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll have familial pressure to do something and it turns out to be, you know, not the right thing for you. But but mm -hmm. I was pretty lucky in that. Both of those things were, were now I had to figure out law, like, cause I never worked at a law firm, mm -hmm. not particularly fond of lawyers in general, although I do have some very close friends who are, right. um, that's not the world I want to live in. But fortunately I've been able to craft something that, you know, I'm this quasi, you know, uh, industry analysts focusing on digital media and well, okay, what is Google really trying to do with this? And, and, you know, funny thing is, it, 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 worked, it seems to have worked out. That is wild, dude. I mean, I, I can totally get what you're talking about in terms of just using everything of who you are to be in this world. And to get a law degree and then get into what was new media. I mean, talk about timing. Yeah. is perfect timing for that. And because you have a musical background, a performing background, you're not just a, a, a guy in a suit, which a lot of people have issues with when it comes to anything that's creative because they don't understand that creative process. So it seems to me what a great blend that you have. I feel ridiculously fortunate because I don't have to hide either from, mm. it's not like I've got two separate lives. So last night I was at a place called Sony hall. I was doing a show with the band called Everclear mm -hmm. and uh, I had a whole bunch of you know friends, people I don't, don't see that often, but I had a whole bunch of clients in the audience and they, you know, because 
they dig it. They just have a lot of fun with it. And it's, it's, yeah. uh, um, yeah. And the other thing is, is in the tech space, you'd be surprised how many people are musicians in that world. Oh, I actually am not. I know a number of people in the tech world and a lot of them are musicians. Yeah. So I, you're, you're, I totally understand that. So when you started hanging the shingle, were you able to get clients right away and music was just not, you're like, okay, I'm all in lawyer and I'm all in trying to make this thing work with, with tech. How, how did that? Well, awesome. you know, it's funny because a, a lot of times in life, things look really bad and the bad things happen. And yet, but after a number of years, you, you realize that actually you were really fortunate that things went down that way. And so I graduated from law school in December of 2000, thinking I was going to be an internet lawyer. And if you remember, the first version of the internet had burned to the ground by December 2000. And I had never worked at a law firm, so no law firm would even touch me. Right. And so I went and I did sales for a couple of years uh, because I had a young daughter and I needed to, you know, I, I needed to make sure that she, you know, that 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 I had money for her. Right. Um, uh, and it took me about three or four years to realize again that like I'm not a great salesperson. This isn't the life I want. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to hold myself out as a privacy expert uh, back before anybody was doing that. And uh, it took me a year to get uh, my first client. And then mm. it took me about three to five years to get to the point where like I was making a, a pretty decent living. Um, mm. But I knew that uh, I looked at things like um, how many articles of mine are being published, how many real legit conversations am I having with people who are, you know, running companies in this space? Because, mm. you know, anytime you have a real conversation with somebody who's kind of a player in the space, you know, that's an implicit job interview. And, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of those things have turned into client relationships over the years. And so uh, it's been, it's been, uh, I feel really, really fortunate. Um, but I also looking back, it wasn't exactly easy. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, you know, taking a year to get client one and doing sales, what you don't like to do sales. What were you selling? I was selling tech services. So uh, email marketing blast companies or ad serving companies, you know, just, just, you know, stuff that, that, that uh, is commoditized and there's a skill yeah. to like, you know, somebody would say, well, your product is, you know, just like your competitors. And I go, Yeah. <laughs> 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 but when I'm selling me or I'm just out there talking about the things that I have some passion for, I, I got to, you know, I feel like nobody can touch me and that's a sure. much, much better. That's just a better place to be. And, and the whole yeah. trick to life as you go through it is to figure out how to put yourself in the position that you need to succeed. And mm. usually that starts from what is it you like to do? Mm-hmm. And take it the next step. What happens after that? What did you do after that? Well, so, you know, I, I started getting getting going uh, and uh, with the business. And yeah. uh, once again, I had a whole handful of clients who were musicians. And so I decided to put a band together with this group of clients. And, you know, we, we you know, I wrote a bunch of songs and it worked out pretty well. 
But what I realized, and I, I really don't mean any disrespect to these guys, because some of them may be watching this thing, because I have a lot of love in my heart. Uh-huh. But there's a distinction between a weekend warrior musician and a yeah. professional musician. Um, and what I realized, and, you know, it's funny, this is one of the things Jimmy Einer told me. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't listen until a guy named Jerry Harrison, uh, who is best known as the uh, guitarist for the Talking Heads, Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry, I, 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 uh, I got Jerry to, uh, produce my first album under my current band name. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that he and a guy named E.T. Thorngren, uh, was a, a recording engineer took me aside and said, listen, you're not playing with the right people. Your problem is not that your songs aren't good. Your songs are really good. The problem is that you don't, you, you aren't using the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so that's really at the point where I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to have any chance of doing this, I, I've got to play with pros. And so, mm. uh, and that's what, uh, what I've been doing the last few years. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, and I totally understand that it means no disrespect to any, anybody because at any level you, you are a musician and you, you excel when you put the time into it. And if you can't put the time into it because you have other jobs and responsibilities, then that's just the choices and that's all good. Yep. You know, it's all good. So was it difficult to uh, talk to them though? (laughs) After I just said all that. (laughs) No, it really wasn't. I think they got it. You know, it's really amazing in life when you just directly talk to people, most of the time they get it. And if they don't, then you got to ask yourself, really, why is it they're not getting it and whether or not they really, you know, because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just because they're not they don't really have your best interests at heart. Mm -hmm. So uh, many of those guys still come hear me play. Uh, Two of them were there last night. Like they they get it. It's a um, and and uh, and and a couple of them, if they chose to, I think, could do what I'm doing. Mm hmm. I mean, there, there's some talented guys, but yeah. But again, if you're only doing things for a few hours a week, it's it's just not the same thing. No, it's not. It, it's really hard. How how do you divide your time? How do you how do you do that now? Because you've got a successful firm and a band, so you know you're burning the candle at both ends. How do you how do you making that work? I I don't know. <laughs> I wish no. So here here's that's the answer. Like it all seems to work out. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I don't spend a ton of time just sitting around. So, mm-hmm. so that's part of it. But, you know, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll just say. So over the last during the pandemic, we moved out to Sausalito and I was uh, um, and it was, I'm glad we did because I was a little depressed in New York. And mm. we moved out to Sausalito and I really started writing again. Mm. And. Uh, once I had a handful of songs, I, I reached out to my band, most, most of whom are in, in New York. And I said, listen, let's figure out a way to rehearse and record remotely. So I literally would pipe in my keyboard parts and my vocals, and the rest of them would sit in a studio in Brooklyn, all masked up so, and nobody's singing. And we, 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 so we did 27 songs this past April. Wow. And how did uh, that work out? Did you do like, uh, this is going to get a little technical people, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested in that. Did you do like pro tools through source connect or what did you do? We used audio movers. 
which oh, I think okay. is like Source Connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a little, and then we just, we literally just had a Skype uh, video session going. Uh-huh. And there'd be some latency. So you had to, you know, you had to figure that out, you know, but I could hear them a millisecond after they were playing. And mm-hmm. the cool thing is I was really worried that this wasn't going to work. And, yeah. and it, you know, I, I would say you make some sacrifices because I'm not singing with them. It's all yeah. pre-recorded. However, yeah. when I removed myself from the role of performer, I was able to slide over and be producer. Mm. Because if you're not, you know, if all you're doing is listening, uh, your ability to really provide meaningful feedback right at, you know, on the fly at a rehearsal is Mm -hmm. just vastly different. And so from that perspective, it worked really well. Now you're, you're saying, well, wait, what, what do you do with your time? Well, I, I have a daughter who's now almost two, but I would spend an hour and a half every morning, an hour and a half every uh, afternoon, just in the little baby Bjorn walking around Sausalito with her. And I'd try out songs and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd sing lyrics and I'd, boy, a lot of songs got written with Little Rose in oh. this, this baby Bjorn as we walked around yeah. Sausalito. And so like some of it's multitasking, but also I don't even see it that way because it's just, it's integrating yeah, it's life. Yeah, like Rose loves when I play the piano. Like she, oh. and it's it's really great because she has songs that she loves and songs that she doesn't, and she's not shy. Oh, isn't that great? Yeah, that is amazing. Reminds me, and this is going to age me, but wasn't it Neil Sedaka who used to do that? Like write his songs and then try it out on his kids to see if they're going to be any good. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a great. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that's who it was. I, I I'd have to double check myself, but I think that's who it was. I was like, "Wow, it's really kind of smart." <laughs> that is. So you played last night. Now, um, the firm you must have people working there for you, or is it you and like a, an assistant or two, or like how well, do you run that? It, it's it's just me. I I, I had hired. Uh, I, I at one time about ten years ago had two people working for me, including another attorney. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, and this is just for me, maybe other people have different experiences with this, but man, when you have to manage people, you've got a job. Yeah. Oh gosh. I totally get that. And, and so, uh, but now, and the other thing is, is that if you have to pay somebody's salary, you make different decisions about who it is you're going to work with. Yeah. So what I decided, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago is I'm going to work with people because they're doing interesting things, because they pay their bills, because they're fun, you know, and because I don't have to take a shower after I've left their office because I just feel dirty. And, and, (laughs) you know, and, you know, those four simple rules uh, uh, have been very helpful. Yeah. So when the band got together uh, at the very beginning, how did you know it was going to work? How did that happen for you? Oh, it's, it's been a, it's been a process. So I would say with, with the current, once I decided to play with pros, um, I, it it took me a while to find the right people because, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, I, 
Well, I'll just say it because like this is life, right? I'm going to be real here. Yeah. You know, there, there were people I was playing with that felt like they were doing me a favor by playing with me, even though I was mm-hmm. paying them. And, and like or and then there were other people who just weren't the right fit, but were really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so it took me a while to find the right thing. And, and even more recently, you know, I had had a, a keyboard player up until about six months ago. And little by little, I decided, uh, well, maybe I should take a half step back here. I, 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 I recognize that a lot of the opportunities for me are as a solo artist, particularly for opening mm. band things. I'm playing with mm-hmm. Lisa Loeb uh, tomorrow in mm-hmm. uh, just outside of Philadelphia. And that wasn't, you can't bring the band to that. It's a, it's a solo show. And so right. as I've been playing more and more live and really digging it, little by little, I thought, well, you know what? maybe I should just be doing that live with the full band. And so now we're, mm. a, you know, years ago we were a seven piece cause I had a trumpet player and I realized uh, that, that I, you have to be careful of clutter sometimes, you know, some of the yeah. best rock songs are often a, you know, three or four piece. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I, so right now the configuration is bass, drums, guitar, right. Uh, I play some keys, but I'm pretty minimalist. And then I've got a woman named Lorenza Ponce, who is a uh, uh, violin, but is sort of this, uh, uh, it's almost like a lead guitar-ish type role. And she's yeah. really good with the pedals. So some of the stuff is even a little synthy. Um, and you will not find a better rock and roll violin player. I mean, her other primary That's bands awesome. are Cheryl Crow and Bon Jovi. Mm. Um, and she is, uh, ridiculously talented and, but, but maybe even more important, just super willing to go down the crazy alleys that I take the band down musically and, and, and embraces that. And there, mm. there's just nothing better. I bet. I mean, when you have a bunch of musicians who are willing to go down the path that you want to go down and they add what they add. It's got to be exhilarating. Holy oh, cow. It's, it's a blast. And, and you know, my whole thing is like, you know, some weird mix of like, you know, Joe Jackson or Beck in that. I don't know that I have a style. Mm. I, I, I Every song is me and, and that that part's for sure. But I don't uh-huh. know that I have, you know, uh, a distinct style. And so uh, you need people who are going to be versatile. And you also need people that when you come in with something that may be a little bluesy, they don't mm-hmm. like put on their blues hat and that that's all they do. Cause like mm-hmm. that gets really boring. The music I like, you know, like are the police a ska and reggae band or a punk band or a world music band? I don't know. Right. I, I think they're at least all three of those things. Um, and if, if, if they came in and just did, you know, this is going to be just a reggae song. It just would mm-hmm. be the same band. Yeah. So when you do your your gigs, and like you say, you know, it's it you're you've got all different styles. You're not one. You're not the other. Are you like how do you feel that you're connecting and entertaining? Because to me, that's what it's all about. I don't necessarily want to go listen to a band and listen to somebody. This Okay, sorry, I'm going to go on a rant here. The thing that really bothers me the most is watching people show off of how great they can play a lick. I don't really care. Yeah. Or how fast or how high or whatever. I want to be moved. I want to be taken on a journey. 
So, and I want to have a connection. That's me. How do you, as the uh, as this performer, how do you find your way of connecting in and entertain? It's, it, it's a great question, and and I, I will say that I I find it almost easier as a solo artist to do that. And and the reason is is like if I'm doing a 45 minute uh, set. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have three or four decent opportunities to go a minute or two into this is what I'm thinking with this song. Mm. Whereas last night you're playing some club in New York and Sony Hall is a great place, but there's sort of the expectation is a little bit, 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 bit. So in between songs, you, you get, you, you'll do a sound bite. You know, this mm. is, this song is about X. This song is about Y. This song is about, or from my newest album. And, and it's, I personally find it harder to do things that way. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think by necessity, you have to a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, to, you know, to answer your question, I think you you've, you really have to use those sound bites as an opportunity to be very human with people yeah. and really try to get at the essence of what it is. You know, I like to think, and I think all songwriters are like this, you know, know, my songs are quirky and complicated and all these things, but like people don't receive information that way. So you have to be, you know, what is the, you know, um, so the song we ended with last night, and it's sort of a brand new one, but I, it's, but, but here's the gist. When I was 19, I would party all night. I would make a lot of noise. And if somebody had a problem with that, uh, I'd say, ah. What are you going to do now that I'm a little older and occasionally there are 19 year olds who are making a lot of noise, you know, as, as luck would have it, I, I feel a little differently right now, particularly yeah. when they're waking up the baby. Yeah. We had a situation in the houseboat next to us last year in Sausalito where s- somebody was having a huge party mm-hmm. and was waking up the baby. And so I wrote this song about kind of, a, the frustration I was feeling because I don't know what my baby woke up and my wife is all over the place you know, upset. But you got to recognize there's some irony at play here because the 19 yes. year old version of me, you know, would have flipped the bird at this at this older guy. Right. So the irony is not lost. Yeah. You know, I always believe that vulnerability begets vulnerability. And I would imagine it's kind of hard sometimes, especially if it's a fast paced venue to get that way, to be open so that people can connect. And, and who knows, they may not want to connect in that way too. For them, maybe just being amped up as a connection. Yep. Ha- have you felt a time when you're playing and performing that there just isn't a connect? Like, it's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I would say that, that uh, more so previously, uh, because I was, you know, you, part of the game in life is to put yourself in the best position to succeed. And so, mm. you know, um, I, I know that there are certain venues or places that, um, mm. maybe I shouldn't be, or shouldn't be performing, but, you know, I'll tell you this, uh, so this is going to go against everything that I just said, but two or three <laughs> okay. years ago, I played at a place called the Stanhope house as a solo piano player opening for iron butterfly. Really? And you, I, I don't know that you could find two more different types right? of sounds, but you know what? 
most of the people, not all, but I would say 80% of that audience was into it because at the end of the day, good music is good music. Yeah. And I'm glad I went, I, I was reluctant at first, but you know, you, you don't want to turn down an opportunity to play with iron freaking butterfly. Right. Right. Yeah. But I'm glad I went because I got a new appreciation for their sound. Cause you know, the one or two songs that everybody plays when you think of iron butterfly, they have a whole other catalog. They're one of those mm. interesting bands that, you know, like you, you that help bridge the gap in some ways between like the stones and the Ramones mm. or, or whatever. Yeah. You, you, right. You can, right. And like, I love that stuff. Oh man, that sounds fantastic. Actually. It sounds to me that you're spending more time doing band than you are legal stuff nowadays. Is that, that accurate? You know, I, no, I, I think, I think it's pretty equal. It, mm. it, it's funny. I'm uh, yeah. I, I'm fortunate in that, uh, you know, I've got a manageable group of companies that I work with. Um, but, you know, I'm still, you know, most days still doing the, you know, some flavor of nine to five ish, you know, uh -huh. uh, but, you know, it, I can, you know, I, I have enough flexibility that I can go into the studio for a day. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll just wander off and start writing because the, the, the feeling hits me. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I would say it's pretty equal. When you just describe what a day would be like, it really hits me with how, how wonderful, how, f I want to say fortunate, but I don't want to really use that word. There's, it is fortunate, but you've worked at it to create this. And I love that you have this freedom of time that you're not working for somebody where you're exchanging time for money. Yeah. Although, you, you know, I know that's how lawyers bill, but it's not like that's what you're doing. You're not waking up every day having to be somewhere by nine o'clock, have your lunch at one, leave at six or seven, rinse, repeat. Yeah. You know, you, you have really built such a a freedom of lifestyle and expression and you're, you're providing legal services and you're providing entertainment, but you're also being 100%. Well, maybe that's extreme, but you're being very fulfilled in your life and in yourself and in your soul. I, yeah. Well, thank you for, for, for making that observation. I, I think it's, it, it feels authentic to me. It, it works yeah. for me. And, and, and maybe a few years from now I'll, I'll need to do something else, but, but yeah. right now this feels, this feels like it works. That's and, just so and awesome. We're, we're getting some momentum now, you know, mm -hmm. uh, pre pandemic, you know, I was doing a, you know, two or three shows to, you know, a month to, you know, 500 or so people and then some other things on the side. And, and now we're seem to be getting back to that. And, and, uh, you know, there's some bands Everclear included who've been really good to me. who have just said, you know, um, you know, they're, they're in this perfect sweet spot for me where they don't necessarily have a label that's dictating who opens for them. Uh, mm. so they have a fair amount of leeway uh, gym blossoms are sort of the same, the same way. And I've done, you know, five or six shows with them. I'm playing with them again at, uh, up at Penn state and uh, I don't know, a month or so, but that kind of stuff, That's it's, great. you know, it, it's fun. It, it's also helpful that, uh, this, the, the age 
and the the historical, you know, understanding of their audience and my audience are pretty mm. similar, right? And so, yeah, you know, um, and so, uh, yeah, just that kind of stuff is just so much fun. That is great. Now, um, are you putting out singles? Or are you doing mostly live? Oh, no, we're we're uh, so album six is going to be out in the next month or two. Uh, it's called okay. Two Fishes. Uh, and then I literally have three other albums waiting in the wings that we haven't started mixing yet. Oh, right. Because of all the songs you recorded. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, we're trying to do, so I, I, this may be showing my age. Uh, I, I see an album as a distinct statement. Yes. You know, I, 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 I'm not, you know, uh, it's, it's not a concept album. It's not, everything has to be identical, but it is a body of work that represents something. And yeah. so, but you have to play the game a little bit in terms of singles. So, you mm-hmm. know, I'll, you'll release some singles on, and, and I'm almost always releasing singles onto Spotify because, you know, there's some algorithm there that, that if you do that, you can get a little bit more momentum. They say, right. Right. Where do you find the time to even do all of that social media stuff? Oh, I'm not very good at that. I, I I'm I not either. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I may be wrong in this. So, and, and it's, it's, it's probably ironic for me to say this, given that, you know, uh, a number of companies that I've worked with over the years are social media platforms, mm-hmm. but for my demo, there, there is not a single person who is waiting to hear or to see the latest picture for me. Mm-hmm. So as a result, I, I, I just, I post somewhat sporadically and somewhat and mostly informationally. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've been told that that's not the right way to do it. Um, for me, I, I, when I've hired people, they just throw, like they vomit stuff up out there. And I don't know if that's not helping me either. So yeah. I'd rather do a less is more thing. And so I, I don't spend a lot of time doing the social media thing. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I think it's, is it working? And if it's working, then that's all that matters. I, I've been told that all one needs really is a thousand true followers. People who believe in you will, will buy what you're selling, but you have that as a solid base, you're on your way. You know, and you can you can actually survive off of that, and I'm sure you have much more than that, of course. But you know, as when you do social media, it's so hard to know because people buy followers yeah. all the time. This person's got twenty thousand followers, really, off of like fifty posts. Like, come on, yeah. Like, yeah. How, does, how does that work? Um. So, okay, couple of questions. One. Going back, what would you say to your younger self? Oh, I would say, listen to Jimmy Einer. <laughs> no, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up him, but like, no, dude, no, I totally get that. Said, we're dead on, and I'm a 16 year old who thinks he knows everything. And, and, you know, um, and you know, so, and it wasn't like he was saying, do make dramatic shifts. What he was saying is like, really think about who you are and who you want to be mm. and, and then really work towards 
getting to be that person that you want to be, whatever that is. And, and, you know, um, and he also said, I should start taking some, uh, some voice lessons and boy, was he right with that. And, and you know what, one of the things that, that I think has been most helpful to me in the last five or six years, um, there's a guy named Don Lawrence who teaches here in New York city. And he, he's, uh, um, he teaches just about everybody. I mean, Jagger, Bono, I mean, and, and I'm not trying to name drop. I'm just saying that, mm-hmm. like, you know, this guy changed my life. Oh, tell me. Uh, I went from a guy who was one of those guys that like, yeah, good songs, but boy, the voice, you know, you tolerated the voice because you liked the songs to now where I walk into any room and like, the, and I'm in a, just in a different category. And I, I know that comes off as a bit arrogant, but uh, you know, he has shown me the way and as a singer, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. That is so great. And I think it's awesome to acknowledge somebody who's brought you to that next level, you know, and that's not arrogance. It is just, it's just observation and fact, you know, so such a great words of wisdom there. Um, the last question I'd love to just hear is uh, what's happening next? What's the next thing coming up? You got a gig tomorrow night, you said? I'm playing tomorrow in uh, uh, at a place called the Sellersville Theater with uh, Lisa Loeb. And then, uh, let's see, I've got another show with the Gin Blossoms in November. There's a couple of other things that are tentative that we haven't finalized. Uh, I am, I was, I was invited to play on a uh, syndicated radio program called Acoustic Cafe with a guy named Rob Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm really excited by that because that goes out to something like 125 radio stations uh, around the world. And I'll be in Detroit uh, playing, uh, playing in a studio with him. And that should be an absolute blast. And so that's fantastic. You know, little by little, you know, we're, we're talking about doing a couple of uh, doing a mini tour in the UK starting in early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got to find some time to get these, these three albums uh, finalized and mixed. Uh, but, you know, you just keep, you keep plugging away and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to write some new stuff again. And so, uh, you know, then we got to start, uh, you know, rehearsing and getting those things. Sorted. Yeah. Fantastic. Alan, man, this has been great. The time has flown by. Thank you for taking your time to be on the show. I, I had a blast, man. Fantastic. Well, me too. I really appreciate it. I, I, this was a lot of fun. Well, there you go. What a cool dude. What a life, right? I mean, I don't know if I could answer an ad and travel to another country in my early 20s. In fact, I, I know I wouldn't have been able to do that. And yet this is what he did. And, and I honestly, <laughs> can you imagine showing up and not having a place to stay? Uh, but that does something to you, doesn't it? It changes who you are and it builds your character. So what a great journey. Alan, thanks, man, for being on the show. All right, people, next week. Do you remember when I was talking with... Frankie Previtt and John DiNicola was going to be joining us. John had something and it just couldn't show up. Well, next week, John DiNicola will be here. We're going to talk about his journey, what he's doing now. Where is he now? 
how Time of My Life and Hungry Eyes came about from Dirty Dancing. All right, that's it. In the meantime, take care of yourself. And remember, if he's doing it, why not you? (laughs) 